And that'll give you some direction as we spend this time together, hopefully getting a better handle on this amazing time that we call Christmas in a specific area. Today, what I want to talk about is an understanding of names and titles. Names and titles. You see, when you became a Christian, when you gave your life to Christ, God gave you a brand new name. And at the same time, he also gave you a title, actually multiple titles. And you got to discover those as you moved along in your life and your walk with him. Now, I turned 65 recently, so I've had a little more time to work out my titles. And I, I remember back when I was uh, just uh, 23, I'd become a Christian, and uh, the Lord called me uh, into the ministry. And he made it clear to me that one of my titles was, was to become pastor. And that shocked me and frightened me. Um, I remember in a bathroom, because I was a janitor at a high school. So I'd, I'd gone home, and I was living with my, my parents. And I was getting ready to go to school. And I, so I was a janitor at this uh, joint union high school, and I was cleaning the bathrooms. And while I was cleaning the bathrooms, like this fear came upon me, just abject fear, this sense of, oh, my goodness, you can't do this. And I remember thinking, I can't do this. <laughs> and it just overwhelmed me. I was just, I was shaking literally in the bathroom. And I said, Lord, I can't do this. I just can't. I'll do it. I'm glad to be a janitor. <laughs> that was my cry to myself. I'm happy to be a janitor. I love being a janitor for Jesus. <laughs> it's like the J's work. Janitor for Jesus. And everybody in the whole school knew about the Jesus freak that was the janitor. And that was me. I was a Jesus freak at that time. And so my hair is longer. And, you know, I was always talking about Jesus and everybody in high school. That was before you get in big trouble for it. And I was telling everybody about Jesus and how he changed my life. And how it was incredible. And they were all looking at me like, you're crazier than a loon, dude. And I say, no, no, really, it changes everything. And I said, Lord, I'm happy to be a janitor for you. And he said, no, that's not good enough. I said, Lord, and he said, no, you're going to be a pastor. And I was like, I mean, this, this is almost like verbal, you know, God grabbing you and picking you up and saying, this is what you're going to do. And, uh, and I said, okay, Lord, whatever you say, whatever you say. And a title came into my name. And I'd, I'd gone through the experience of, oh, he's my father, and this wonderful thing of being a child of God in this new relationship with God and new understanding. So it's just great. But now the title began to get clearer and clearer. And he said, you know, Lee, I've got a number of titles for you, but this is the major one that I'm going to put into your life. And it's frightening. It's always frightening when you come to that place where God clarifies what your title is to be because it's always beyond what you think you can do. It's always beyond what you think you can do. Think of Joseph and Mary. We're going to Christmas time, right? So Joseph and Mary, suddenly they find themselves with these brand new titles. Her new title, I'm the mother of God. Wow. Can you No wonder she pondered these things in her heart, right? She's like, hold it just a minute. And Joseph is the stepdad. I am God's stepfather. Wow. That's a t- 
title. And it's going to get bigger and bigger for him as God continues to use him and her over the next 15 years or so. And then the Lord calls Joseph home earlier. Um, we don't even get indications. doesn't even tell us about when, when Joseph dies. We just see that kind of change. And, and Mary becomes the, the single parent for Jesus and his brothers. Did you ever think of that? She's a single parent. Oh, single mom. And she's God's mom. Titles. Names. You see, last week we talked about how Mary overcame fear with faith. That was dealing with some of those issues that we're just going to speak to even more today. Uh, but today I want to talk about the issue of, of trust dealing with our troubles. And that has to do with understanding our name and our title. Because then we trust in God to get us through those difficult questions and those times of, you know, Lord, I don't think I can do this. And he says, that's okay, I can. I'm more than able to provide for you in every situation, and I will take care of you here. So when we see Jesus, we see his birth and his calling takes place right in the beginning here. And um, I guess I I would try to put it uh, this way. We find the life that God has called us to. We find the life that God has called us to when we exchange our heart for a new heart. See, when it talks about being born again, we have all those terminologies. What that means is that God takes my old heart that was cold and mean, and he exchanges us for this brand new heart that's soft and caring and loving and, uh, you know, gets taken advantage of. That's the new heart. And when you exchange that... You get this whole new name. He changes your heart, and with that, he changes your name, and you get a new name. And you try to find out what it is. Initially, it said, I'm, I'm a child of the king. I'm a son of God himself, and I'm to model that now in my life. It's a big thing. And then the second thing that happens is he gives us a, a title. And what I mean by that is, is we, we change our, our minds we change our minds, literally we change our minds, our thinking, how we look at everything, how we respond to everything. And in that, he gives us a completely new title, and we begin to understand what it is. It, it's even father, completely different title than the old father. It's a new father. Now I understand, oh, as a father, I have to train up my, my sons and, and my daughters in, in the way that God has called them to go. I have to understand who Jesus is, who God is. See, it's a whole new thing as a father or a mother as a sister, as a brother. See all that changes there? The title. It's, it's sometimes even the same name, but it's a different title altogether. And God begins to clarify that for each one of us. And some of us are carpenters like Joseph and Jesus. Those of you who are carpenters should really think about that. Jesus was a carpenter, so you, you picked a pretty good profession. Uh, wow. And then we, some of us are mechanics and some of us are pilots. I always want to be a pilot. How about you guys? Don't all guys want to be a pilot? It's like that jet pilot. Or I want to be a fireman or, or a policeman or, you know, whatever it is. We have these titles we want. And God says, I have a title that I, I want for you, that I've called you to. And we're to discover what that title is. He'll clarify it for us if we're willing to listen to him. And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale said, the most wonderful sound that we've ever heard is the sound of our own name. You know, it's the sound of our own name. I used to say, well, it depends on if my mom adds my middle name to it, then it's not such a good sound. Lee Douglas Harrison. And I'm in trouble, I know that. But it, it, 
we love it when people know our name. One of the things I found early in ministry is people were shocked. I'd, I'd see them, they come back a couple weeks later and say, oh, hey, Glenn, how you doing? And Glenn goes, you remember my name? I go, well, yeah. And he goes, wow, that's cool. What's so cool about that? <laughs> it's his name. It identifies him. It says that I am concerned about him, that I care. See all this stuff? When we hear our name, something comes into play there. Our names identify us. They identify us for good or for bad. It's, it's, it's who we are. That's him. That's, that's her. And when the scripture talks about Jesus and the birth, they say this to Mary. You will be with child and you'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. We all know his name. Huh? <laughs> There's a name we know well. Song, song. You'll give him the name Jesus. See, names identify us. His name will be Jesus. Now, the word Jesus means Jehovah saves. Okay? Joshua would be the Hebrew terminology for that. Jehovah saves. Jesus or Joshua. His name will be Jesus. In the Jewish culture, a name given to a child was usually for special meaning. And oftentimes, God would give someone a name and they'd say, oh, it clarified what his purpose was in life. It has a double meaning oftentimes. The term Moses, Moses means drawn out. Drawn out. And it was given because he was drawn out of the water to become one of Pharaoh's sons. But later, he would become the one who would draw out the people of God of Egypt out of slavery into freedom. His name, his name in his case also declared a title that he was going to be clarifying over the years that came into place. So God doesn't leave anything to chance about the naming of his son. He makes it very, very clear to Mary and Joseph. So if you'd have walked into this table and said, the baby's born, what's the baby's name? They would have said, Jesus. Yeah, oh. Anybody go, wow. Jesus. Remember earlier? John the Baptist? Have you read that? That was a, kind of like a big deal. What's his name going to be? It would be one of the relatives that will clarify the same. No, no, no. His name is John. Everybody's like, what? The angel told me his name is John because he's going to prepare the way for the Lord. Oh. Okay, interesting names. Names identify us. The name Jesus is used over 500 times in the gospel alone. Over 900 times in the New Testament. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Over and over and over. Sweetest name I know. And it just keeps on going. And we have song after song after song that declares that. If you go to Nigeria and you hold the African and they're singing in their language and they're singing away and da, 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 you know Egypt here today. Where's Egypt? Where are you running at? There you go. Oh, over there. See, I couldn't even spot you, buddy. You know, I have new eyes, but I can't see right there. Close up. So we would go to Nigeria and they'd start singing these songs. And I love to sing, as you all know. And so Egypt and I'd be getting there and we don't know the language. And they're da, 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 and they say, Jesus, and we'd join right in, you know. Because it's the same everywhere you go. His name is wonderful, glorious, marvelous. 
Go down to Mexico. You'll hear, Jesus. <laughs> you know? I always felt funny. I had a gardener work with us. His name was Jesus. I was like, ah, Jesus is doing my lawn. It's always uncomfortable. I <laughs> go out and help him. I go, go come on, you know, hey, I want to help you, Jesus. And he looks at me like, huh? <laughs> Just seemed appropriate. <laughs> You're getting the idea there. Names, they tell others who we are. His name is Jesus. But there's two terms used for Jesus. And so someone came to me and said, okay, pastorally, because always ask me these kind of questions, why is it that Luke says his name is Jesus, and Matthew says his name is, remember, Emmanuel. To be called Emmanuel. And we're like, okay, yeah, we, we sing that song too. What, what are you talking about? Emmanuel in Hebrew means God with us. Emmanuel's a title, not a name. So if you read it carefully, you see, it didn't say his name, it said he'll be called Emmanuel. His name is Jesus. He'll be called God with us. Jesus, God saves. He's going to come and he's going to be the savior of the world. But he is God with us. So we've got a title as well as a name. In fact, Isaiah goes farther and he walks through all these wonderful descriptions and clarifications of his title. Wonderful counselor, almighty God, prince of peace. Of his kingdom there'll be no end. See, it clarifies his title, all the things Jesus was. You think you have a lot of hats to wear. Wow. Jesus had all these amazing titles and declarations. So one is a title and one is a name. His name is Jesus. He'll be called Emmanuel. Jesus came here to show us who God was. That's what titles tell us what we do, but names tell us who you are. Are. He said, I've come here to show you who God was. That's my title. And I've come here to declare that God saves. Jehovah saves. And one of my titles will become Savior and Lord. Savior and Lord. Marvelous stuff here. So when you read through this next section, wait, watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Say that with me. Emmanuel. Okay? So that's marvelous thing, a name and a title. When we become Christians, God wants that same birthing process, that incarnation, to take place in our lives. Now, I'm convinced this is something we often miss out on. Too many Christians miss out on this. God gives you a brand new name, and He also gives you a series of titles, things that He wants you to be involved in. You see, I'm not a pastor because I chose to be. I'm a pastor because I was called to be. Some of you are insurance agents because God called you to do that. And if he didn't, you need to get a new job. You're blowing it. I don't know what it is you're doing, but it should be what God has called you to do. If it's not, change the title to the one he called you to be in. Because you chickened out. And I didn't chicken out, so you guys, you women, step up. Come on. Time to step up. What has God called you to be? Some of you are painters. Some of you are carpenters. Some of you are teachers. God called you into that profession. He wants you to influence others within that. My wife is a counselor. 
ROP over at Costa Mesa, has an amazing effect, impact on all the people there. You walk in and ask where Mary is at, who Mary is. You'll find out real quickly. I find it out every time I go in the grocery store. There they come, okay. Here come the kids. Mary, Mary, Miss Mary. Is there anybody she doesn't know? It's like the whole town knows my wife. Who's this guy? I'm the pastor. Oh, you're Mary's husband. (laughs) Mary's husband. Dude. Feels like a step down. I don't know. Yeah, someone says it's a step up. So names tell us who we are. Titles tell us what we do. His name will be Jesus. He'll be called Emmanuel. I hope that's insightful for you because that's a big deal for today. I just want you to get that. If you get nothing else, get that today. The Father's plan is to birth the life of Christ in us, His abilities in us. Not to demand things from us, but to clarify to us what He's already provided. You're a teacher. You're a painter. You're a carpenter. You have these skills that I will work through you, and it will be marvelous. And people will go, wow. Wow. You have some amazing gifts. Use those gifts that God has given you. See, Jesus gives us life when we exchange our hearts. And that's when we get our name. We finally have a name. Wow. See, I'm a child of the king. I'm a son of God. I remember in the parking lot where God spoke to me so clearly and said, I am your father. I was like, God's my father. And he began to clarify Lee. Uh, The word Lee actually means it's a stream in a meadow. Stream in a meadow. And I said, ah, see, who I am is God has given me this name of contentment, this stream. In a, you ever been, a, if you ever go backpacking, you just go backpacking, and I get in there, this beautiful stream, water into this meadow, and it's just kind of, ah, what a great place to stop. I'm so tired of climbing the mountains. It's time to be with Lee. <laughs> contentment. Oh, I like that, Lord. Thank you. That's my name. That's your name. The heart's deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? What, what Jeremiah is trying to say is that God gives us a name and we fall into deceit on it. We, we fail to hear his voice and we start listening to our emotions rather than to God's voice saying, this is who you are. Our heart. Someone says, my heart says, I said, don't listen to your heart unless it's actually beating for God. Be careful. It's a deceitful thing. Emotions are very deceitful. They'll jump all over the place. I saw this guy. I know I've been married for 10 years to this wonderful man, but I saw this guy and I just know I love him. Deceitful. Destructive. Don't listen. Some of us have learned as we've grown older. Don't listen. No, 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 no. Listen to the heart of God that he's exchanged the old one for. I find it odd. Christmas is one of the most wonderful time of the years and one of the most horrible time of the year. Isn't it? It's like, on one end we have this, you know, Scrooges become wonderful, generous people. And the other end, we get so caught up in this materialism, everything is just about what we're going to get or what we're going to give. Either one still has a problem of greed with it. And we get sucked into that materialistic structure. And instead of preparing for the birth of Christ, we we prepare for this gift thing. And we we miss out on the wonder that God has for us. So we can play with these ribbons and, you know, 
When my kids, we used to get them these great presents for Christmas early on. We were like, oh, we got this present. We put it in a big box. And you know what they always did? They play with the box. I went, man, I should have just got the box. Wrapped it up. There you go. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Off to the side playing in the box. And they're trying to tell me something. They're saying, you know, where, where is the gift? It's, it's the giver and it's this wonderful opportunity to be used. That's, that's what Christmas is about. It's a declaration of God's presence and his power within us. It's a time when, when we tend to get mixed up that we fall into thinking that the more we get, the happier we'll become. And we, and we start thinking the same thing about somebody else. Well, if I get my wife a nicer watch, I'll get her a $500 watch. That'll make her happier than the $10 Timex I got her last year. For about 30 seconds. And then she says... How did you pay for this? <laughs> One word. Visa. That means it's not paid for. And your wife goes, oh no. How are we going to pay for this? And the gift is lost. Because you misunderstood what Christmas was all about. God says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of, of flesh. This makeover, this born again, this heart transplant. See, as we yield to the surgery of God in our lives, we begin to understand what is actually powerful, what is actually transforming, what is actually meaningful in our lives and the lives of people around us. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. They're wonderful. They're filled with wonder. And Christmas comes a time to wonder what God is going to do. I wonder how it's going to happen. And we slow down when we wait for God. God, how are you going to do this? How is this all going to come into play just before Christmas? And that's why those, those of us who are spiritual guys, we don't get any presents till Christmas Eve because we're waiting for God to... Bring. Is anybody buying this one? No. Well, you get a. It should be a waiting time, but appropriate waiting. Okay? God says, "Hey, watch!" And the week before it all comes about, ah, look at that! Isn't this neat? And we start, "Yes, Lord, look what you did! This is so great!" And our spouses are excited, husbands and wives, and our children are pumped. And Christmas becomes a declaration of the incarnation of God. It, you see, when we get a new heart, it changes our thinking about who a king is and, and what a king does. That's what God did in the beginning. That's why Jesus was born in a stable, placed in a feeding trough, to help us to understand what was meaningful in life and what wasn't. God could easily have had a golden throne and an incredible palace. He could have went, there you go. He could have surrounded it with angels. Hundreds and thousands singing to everybody in Jerusalem going, here he is. Be aware. And he doesn't. Instead, he says quietly, God is born in a stable. And the only ones he tells about are a bunch of shepherds. And they're so scared, they're not sure what's going on, but they come to see. The homeless guys showed up, and that was it. That's the best picture, I think you can get it. 
kind of smelly and dirty. And we've come to see the king. Oh, great. I'm pumped. Here they come. Prum, pum, pum. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I wish it had been, oh, let me play the drums for you. That wasn't what it was at all. This was a very, very humble scene. But the presence of God was there. The power of God was there. The overwhelming glory of God was there. And there's this wonder and this awe among the animals and Mary and Joseph and Jesus. That's what was going on. And when the shepherds showed up, they went, whoa, maybe God took away their smell. I don't know. But it was an incredible time. It was Christmas. It's Christmas. Christ is born and wonder penetrates our souls and changes us. Everything about it. God comes up with these off-the-wall ideas and he makes them work. He's always doing that. Give and it will be given to you. Are you crazy? The Lord says, give and it will be given to you. Lord, you don't understand how our world works. Okay. If you say so. Upside down, Lord. You're all upside down. It's what he does. He's trying to teach us about reality. Reality. So our Christmas songs focus on the wonder of God. On the internal change. That which is within, not just without. Because outside stuff is nice, but inside stuff changes us. And I get to have joy and peace. All these things I so desperately want in the outside stuff, just, that's nice. It's nice sometimes. I like driving a Porsche. You know, it's kind of, I don't have one, but I like driving one. I don't want to own it. You've got to fix the dumb thing, you know. BMW, I owned a BMW. My wife said, I always wanted a convertible. We've got a convertible BMW. That day four, we were fixing the thing. It was great. Loved driving it. Just hated fixing it. God gives us this internal joy and this excitement. We go, oh, wow. And the outside stuff just becomes that. It's a whatever. Jesus said, there's a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life, real life to the fullness Filled with wonder. And, and that's, that's the thing that, that God's trying desperately to get us a hold of, for us to understand, to grab onto. It's, uh, it's life with purpose. It's life with direction. It's life with understanding. It's far beyond just the fulfillment of basic needs. But it's a life that says, I begin to understand what's right and what's wrong. I begin to live life appropriately. And things begin to work really, really well. I'm able to deal with my fears with faith. I'm dealing with my troubles with trust. Small's the gate. Narrow is the road that leads to life. Only a few find it, Jesus said. You see, that's the cry. I've got to give you a brand new heart, a brand new name. But you've still got to find the narrow road, walk down the narrow path. And when you do that, because your heart will beat to it, then you experience the wonder of life. See, life is, is rarely what we expect but always what we respect. When you respect life, then you begin to experience life as God has called you to in specific ways. Remember Saul, who became Paul? We all know the story. He's in Acts and he's fired up for God as he misunderstands him. And suddenly everything has changed. And years later, his name has changed to Paul. Years later, he becomes a light 
for God. Jesus said, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is this new heart. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Huh? Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I go, I'm confused. I said, it's like going on a diet. When you lose it, you find what you were looking for. When you lose the weight, you suddenly find the person you were looking for. But you had to go on a diet. You had to lose it to find it. And that's the life that God has for you. I have to lose that which is excess, lose that which was immaterial, lose that which was not supposed to be there, and then I suddenly find life and joy. And all the external stuff is left behind. It doesn't matter. It's the cry of Scrooge when suddenly he says, I'm going to give you this and this and this and this because that's the reason I was given it all along and I just forgot. I just forgot. I lost sight. I wasn't listening to the heart that God gave to me, the new heart. I didn't think correctly. It's a wonder in which we get caught up in losing to gain. Perpetual diet of Christians. Losing to gain. That's the cry. It's a call. We're, we're always like, oh, should I give... You know, it's, it's, it's the guy who was, who, who was... Listen to another guy's prayer, you know. And, and as, as he's, the guy's down praying, he said, Lord, I just need... I desperately need $100 to take care of this need here. And he got up off his knees and the guy walked up and says, I've got $100, here you go, God bless you. And the guy walks off rejoicing, he turns to the Lord and said, Lord, I really need a million dollars. It's just, we give, we lose in order to, to gain. Joy comes with the presence of God and His presence comes with those who follow the narrow path, who live with a perpetual diet, who give... Because that's who we are. It's like it's. You see, what happens to us as Christians is we get to Disneyland, and then we say, "Oh well, time to go home." God says, "Live here, rejoice here, give thanks for all the kingdom that I have. Live in this. Watch all the great things that are going to happen." And we're like, "Well, that's a little much for me right now." See, that's the cry of God: the perpetual diet. See, joy and success isn't what comes at the end. It's how we get to the end. It's how we get to the end. It's, it's a journey process that we're involved in. And so you push her, you go, well, this is hard to do. I said, yeah, I know. But it's so exciting when you choose to do it. The biggest struggle I have is the more I have, the harder it is to give more. Isn't it? When I only had 20 bucks to my name, it was really easy to give away because guess what? It's only 20 bucks. In my last twenty dollars. So what? But when I had fifty thousand, I go, Lord, are you crazy? I'm supposed to give that? Hmm. You see, joy and success. That's how we're supposed to live life. Walking down the narrow road. Life begins when your heart's replaced. You, you know your name, and your name reflects the wonder of God in our lives. We start going, oh, this is interesting. 
Jesus, the Lord, saves. What does he save us from? The boredom of just existing and being afraid day to day what's going to happen. Saving for retirement. What? Seriously? It's this excitement about trusting God. I wonder how you're going to do this. I'm not just existing. I want to live. I want to get out of slavery from sin and I want to have freedom to love. To love God, to love others, to be involved in this wonderful calling, this Disneyland of God. And that's what he's trying to stir you guys to today as we move towards Christmas. We allow Jesus' name to be that which we call on for the right emotions and his title to be the one that we listen to when he calls for action. We encounter joy and we experience wonder in life on a regular basis. He's Savior and Lord. He gives salvation and direction in life. My heart's replaced and life begins. Okay, there's a song I love. I, Christmas songs, I always get to do it every year. They, they change it. But there's this, there's this great song, and it talks about Mary and the titles of Jesus, the things he's going to be doing. And you're going, Lord, are you helping her to understand that? I'm going to do it a cappella style. Let's listen. One day 
Isn't that great? Wow. Wow. It all begins when we give our hearts to God. We say, Lord Jesus, take my heart. Everybody say it with me. Lord Jesus, take my heart. Take my heart, Lord. Change it. Exchange it for yours. And something happens. Something happens. And we go, what happened? God gave you a new name. Now, you have to decide if you're going to respond to that name. It's frightening. It's scary. Go, oh, no, they're going to call me Jesus freak. So what? They're going to call me. Who cares what they call you? What they'll call you will be representative of the name that God has called you. You're a Christian. You're a disciple. You're a follower of Christ. You're one who's had a changed heart. And then he gives us this new title. See, he gives us direction. He gives, he change, when we change our mind, he gives us this new direction. We learn how to think differently. And we begin to gain an understanding of the title he has for us. He'll be great. And he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. He'll exceed all expectations. He'll have the throne and the power of God. uh, The presence to rule over everything and everybody. And anything that opposes you in your journey is able to stand against for you. That's why trust overcomes our troubles. And faith destroys our fears. But we have to do it with a new heart and a new title. He said, Lord, I know you called me to be a billionaire. He didn't call me for that. I kept asking. He said, Lee, pastor. I said, billionaire. Pastor. Billionaire. They don't fit together real well, you know. They just don't. He said, you have a calling, a title to give you. Father, husband, oh, friend, counselor, mentor. And they're all endued with a capital declaring God's presence and movement. And that's what happens to us. And when we carry out the titles that God calls us into, we become part of the mosaic that he's laid together and we experience our purpose being fulfilled. See, we miss out on the abundant life that God has for us because we're unwilling to be transformed with the renewing of our mind. We keep being conformed to this world. And God says, time for transformation. It's a new way of thinking. You trust. Instead of trying to deal with your troubles on your own, you you have faith as you try to work with your fears and your issues, you begin to say, I give, I don't take. I forgive, I don't hate. I give grace, no matter what. It's a new way of thinking. We follow God's directives We claim the promises, and we don't understand all the whys. We just know the one who does. So, you know, Jeannie Massengill, we, you know, she's in her office, and she gets a call, and she gets back to it, and she says, yeah, it is cancerous. The tumor's not malign. We were praying, Lord, let it be benign. No, 
cancerous. God, what's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with me. What's wrong with you? Well, and he says, you're supposed to trust. I'm in charge here. You trust me. And I'll use this to declare who I am one more time. And I'll show my title in her life. And you carry out your role. You carry out your role. And so we say with the new heart and the new mind, what do we say? Two words. It's ones we have to get all the time. The same ones Joseph had to get all of them, the Mary got hold. They're, they're two simple words. They're called, yes, Lord. That's it. Yes, Lord. Your will, not mine. Your will, not mine. Unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And he will be called Jesus, Emmanuel. A child is born to us, this manly aspect, and he will be called. He's a son given to us, the very presence of God. The ability to have new hearts and new minds because of what he has done and who he is. A new set of emotions, a new way of understanding. He'll be called wonderful, amazing, unexplainable. He always seems to get things done. I never thought possible what he does and the way that he does things. He is wonderful. He's a counselor who gives me direction in life. When I find myself in so much darkness, I don't know where to turn or which way to go. And he says, this way. And I go, but Lord, you don't. He said, I understand perfectly. Go this way. And as you listen and follow the narrow road, you come out on the other side and go, oh, my goodness. And you say, he was right. He was right. It's one of those things your wife rarely says. But we say it regularly to the Lord. He was right. He was right. Almighty God. He is able. I'm not, but he is. He's without chaos. He's the creator of all. Everlasting Father. Always our Father. He'll never leave us. He never forsakes us. He's always with me. He always has my back. Have no fear of what he might say or how he might act. He's always grabbing me and holding me close and comforting me and caring for me. He's the prince of peace. He's the essence of peace itself. Of not just holiness, but of wholeness. That shalom that we so desperately want. So we respond to one another and say, peace be with you. Shalom. Peace be, that's a cry to one another. Turn to the person next to you and say, peace be with you. We need to say that more because I need his peace. The wonder of God in each one of us. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. That's where we start with the advent, didn't we? Glory to God in the highest. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now this is the beginning, the incarnation. Imagine Joseph as he sits in the stable and the birth has been made and he walks outside as a man and he says, what happened, God? What, what happened? Why is it like this? I failed again. I failed her. 
This is not the way I imagined it to be. I was ready for a birth with neighbors and friends and laughter and the cry of my baby boy. The yes, yes. The midwife would hand me the child and all the people would applaud. And Mary would rest and we rejoiced together. It wasn't supposed to be like this. It wasn't supposed to be like this, was it? Because I feel like a failure. That I didn't accomplish what God had for me to do. It's a stable, Lord. And she's so tired. And your baby's here and it's wonderful, your presence, but I just don't get it. Did I miss something? Am I on the wrong road? Did I make a wrong turn? I know you're so clear to me. If I made a wrong turn, you would have told me, but it just doesn't feel right. But I know the child is yours. The plan is yours. And I guess this is the way it was supposed to be, but I just don't see it. I'm not accustomed to this stuff. I'm a carpenter. You know that, Lord, I measure twice, I cut once. (laughs) It's what I do. It's who I am. It's the title you gave me. And it's so hard to give up control to trust you 100%. (laughs) But Lord, not my will. Let yours be done this night. But maybe one thing, Lord. Could you just send somebody... Somebody, send them to say, today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And um, if not angels, maybe just some shepherds. After all, it's stable. And they seem to fit. Father, today we come to you. And we ask that you'll help us to understand this Incredible story of names and titles that is our story as well. When you called us in, it wasn't the fanfare. It wasn't this wondrous kingdom, glorious. It was like stables. And you changed us slowly and you grabbed a hold of our heart. And the joy began to build and the anticipation. And we began to believe slowly. We began to believe maybe we could be your child. Maybe we could experience this incredible, powerful joy. And today, Lord, we come to you and we give you our hearts. And we ask that you'll exchange them for brand new ones. Transplant us. And if you're already transplanted, then get it beating better. Make it beat to the sound of your drum. And... Father, change our thinking. We just want to hear your voice. We want to hear your name. We want to know who we are as your child. We want to rejoice in it. We want to face our fears with faith. We want to deal with our troubles with trust. We want to give beyond that perpetual diet. That's our cry today. So hear us, Lord, as we listen to you. And speak to us. We're going to write down some prayer requests, Father. And we're going to write them down. We're going to think about that. And we're going to set aside an offering for you. And we're just going to spend the next five or ten minutes listening to songs and learning as you speak to our hearts. So make it clear who we are and what you called us to. We've all got a title. I know we do, Lord. Everybody here does. Make it clear 
And then help us to follow it. Help us to follow it. Give us direction. (laughs) Because you said of your kingdom there will be no end. So let it happen in us. This day, begin. In Jesus' name we pray.